listening to the Inside Job Making CX Work podcast, where we share how you can make customer experience transformation a reality. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Inside Job Making CX Work. I am your host, Jose Fabrion from Merkel. And today we have a really exciting episode. Today we're going to dive in with Sean Myers from Brentog, as well as Nick Haig from B2B International. And we're going to dive into a real customer experience transformation and learn from somebody who's been doing this for a long time, really what it takes, what it, what's going on, what people need to think about. So I really want everybody here to listen pretty closely to Sean uh, as we go through this. So first, uh, Sean, I'd love to pass it over to you. Give it, Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of what you do at Brentog. Okay, sure. Thanks, Jose. Um, yeah, so my name's Sean Myers. Uh, my official job title is Director for Supply Chain and Service. Uh, I've been with the company for 17, coming up 18 years now, and certainly the last number of years been heavily focused on uh, on delivering great customer experiences. Uh, Brentag uh, are uh, an, an industrial business-to-business uh, organization supplying um, all manner of chemicals and, and food ingredients. Cool. Thank, thanks, Sean. That's it's very interesting. And I, I, you know, as we get into this in our pre-discussion, I know this gets very interesting in terms of how business is done globally and really with other businesses. So we're, I'm really excited to get into this. So Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, B2B International? Hi, Jose. Yeah, I, I'm Nick Haig. I'm one of the original founders of B2B International and now head of growth. Um, so for 22 years, um, Built B2B International up, uh, now part of the, the wider uh, Merkel B2B group. Um, but uh, we're here, we're, we're the market research, market insights arm of, uh, of Merkel B2B. And, uh, you know, companies such as Brentag come to us to understand, you know, what's, what the current sentiment is like in the marketplace. We, uh, we, we carry out insight with, for all our different clients' businesses, helping them to either, you know, successfully reposition their brand, improve customer loyalty and retention, or, or just, you know, go to market strategies uh, based on market insight. So I've been working alongside Sean and uh, and the Brentag team for over five years now and uh, here to tell you an interesting story today. That's great. Th- thank you, Nick. And I'm, I'm really excited for the two of you because uh, you know, this is a great story. So let's, why don't we really just kind of jump into this and Sean, I'm going to give you a bit of an open-ended question to start, which is really you know, where did this customer experience transformation start at Brentalk? Like, how, how did how did it come about? You're a champion of it. Tell us a little, little bit about the story. Yeah, sure. No, well, as Nick's just said, it's uh, the, the, you know the roots of this all started about five years ago, which uh, you know it kind of seems uh, unbelievable now looking back at how quickly that that time's flown. But you know, and it, and it didn't stem from a, a CX perspective per se um, around that time I think the organization was looking to create a common brand identity um, Brentag had grown significantly um, through a lot of acquisition um, over the previous decade or so um, and obviously those acquisitions brought about many different cultures values ways of uh, operating um, and the company was looking to really consolidate these and, and create a a universal brand identity um, for the entire organization. So, so fundamentally, that was the kind of first step. And uh, and so, along with um, success and expertise, the business wanted to become synonymous with with service excellence. 
Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're a, you know we are a product-based company. We we buy and sell chemical and food ingredients, but we're very much a service-based business. Um, but although you know we didn't have a definition or a, a, a common measurement of of what that actually meant, service excellence. So. One of the leadership team in uh, in Europe, Middle East, and Africa was given the task of defining and developing service excellence, uh, and he approached me to work with them um, as somebody working in the regions, you know, doing the the job, uh, so to speak. So, um, so really, the starting point and, and and being led by what the company believed service excellence was going to be. Um, uh, heading towards or leading to it was um, around defining and developing some common KPIs for use in the business that actually, you know, putting some definitions there, reporting systems um, in, in urban, you know, in order to really generate a, a chunk of metrics. Um, and, you know, for example, we had no universal definition of what on time and in full meant in, uh, in Brentag. So, as much as we started, you know, we started work and developing those, you know, that, you know, I, I was very conscious that internal metrics were only ever going to give us a kind of one dimensional view. And, and we needed to hear from customers. We needed to find out from them, you know, how we were living up to experience, you know, to their expectations. Sorry. So we, uh, you know, knowing that we needed to go and talk to customers, we needed to to, to get some in, in old money market research done, you know, that led us to Nick and his team from B2B and, and from there, a, a whole new world of getting the customer's voice inside the business um, and, you know, started to look at service excellence in a, in a very different way and, and, and realized that the scope um, was far greater than we considered them when we set out. I, I think that's fascinating. So, I mean, if I, if I take that back from what you said, Sean, what I, what I would kind of paraphrase that as is Brentag has a brand and that brand is built heavily on service. And so uh, the genesis of this transformation really started with, let's just get really good and continue to get better at what we're known for, which is service and, and start from that point, which is really looking at what the customer needs and then expanding that with the voice of the customer. Did I get that? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, no, no, it, it just, I, I would say that, uh, you know, there was still a, a heavy reliance and, and is to today on the actual product themselves. And the, uh, but, uh, you know, again, I think that, you know, it's, it's long gone the, the definition of an organization being either a product or a service based right. company. Um, you know, you, you have to be able to offer a service if you're selling products. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the difference, wasn't it, Sean? You know, that when we started working with you five years ago, the shift that we've had to make, and we'll we'll get into that, I'm sure, today in terms of the conversation, but the shift of the culture from of the business itself, it was very much supplier-led. You know, it was taking products and delivering them uh, in terms of logistics, to, but to be more customer-led and to to build everything, to put the cost, customer at the heart of everything that, that Brentag was to do. This service excellence initiative really was about, it, it really was transformative about how that the, the business needed to change in order to differentiate itself in this, this highly competitive market. Yeah, th- thanks, Nick. I mean, so we've got, we've got the genesis, we've got the highly competitive market. We understand where you started. What were some of the the challenges that you faced along the way? And really, you know, let, let's let's talk about what what people can benefit from in terms of your experience, Sean. Yeah, uh, well, I guess you know that uh, the, in answering that 
second question it is kind of, it is relative to uh, to what we've just said about this kind of insight as to where the organization was at that time uh, and and i think to just expand that a little bit further, I think, like many organisations, the, you know, there was this inherent view, as you said, Jose, that we that we were customer minded. You know, kind of how else would we be, you know, not just you know uh, surviving but thriving uh, if we didn't have the customer, uh, you know, in our mindset. But when you then start to understand the the kind of the notion of true customer centricity, you realise how much work there is to do and and how for years that systems and procedures have been developed to protect the company's interest and and that you know those are not necessarily 100% aligned to those of the of the customer so and and when you start to pick away at these you risk alienating yourself from colleagues who've who've lived and breathed these practices they've been recognized and rewarded for loyally following those and kind of you know on that basis who wouldn't think that those processes procedures were the were the very fabric of the company so you know, to, to those colleagues, you can kind of be perceived initially as, as as undermining what the business stands for, becoming some sort of, you know, corporate anarchist, you know. And, uh, look, that's quite an extreme view. I get that. But, the, you know, the reality is people defend what they build. And so the first challenge is really kind of disarming and engaging those colleagues Um as, as, as an absolute starting point. And, and I think it's important to recognize that at, uh, at the very early stage um then as as as, as nick's already alluded to you know we're, we're an industrial business to business organization kind of in our roots uh the market is extremely fragmented lots of competitors of all sorts of shapes and sizes and and a long-held view when it is still true today despite everything is that for us to be successful we need to nurture supplier relationships just as much and in fact some would say even more than customer relationships, um, and and as such, we we need to listen to their agenda and push their agenda. And again, that's not always the case that that's fully aligned to 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 what is ultimately both of our customers' needs and wants. So, um, I think when you know when that manufacturer is one step further away from the customer, and at times when we're perhaps perceived as service in a smaller end of the market the distribution market you know engaging with suppliers on cx principles you know can be challenging again what i would say is that this is not all suppliers and there's a wide spectrum in terms of where people sit and and i've enjoyed equally some great conversations with suppliers who who not only understand what we're trying to do but in fact are also trying to do it themselves um and then you know kind of Thirdly, I suppose in answering that question, you know, whilst you've got some relatively um, deep-rooted kind of cultural things there to get through, um, you know, the, the, there's very real issues of of here and now. Um, and and now, for example, you know, we're going through a period of you know ridiculous supply chain issues. Um, you know, more force majeure at chemical manufacturing plants than than in living memory um global freight is overwhelmed demand for certain goods is extremely high and then you know locally to us brexit's causing its own disruption so you know and quite frankly our systems are not geared up for this and and they themselves have been overwhelmed so um i think you know it's great that much of the work that we've done over the last number of years is 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 helping in that. It's helping the customer dialogue. It's helping what goes on with regard to that. But kind of just you know <laughs> being better than the competition at this moment in time is certainly not not good enough. So I think 
you know, the point is it's it, it's easy to to give in to what can be seen as something just too difficult to change in terms right. of the, the long-standing culture, or to allow yourself to get distracted by endless short-term problem fixing, um, or, or worse of all, even to see oh this is outside your control and to give up altogether. So that's you know they're they're wow. right now the kind of challenges as 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 I've as I've seen them. Sean, I, I think that's fascinating. I, the, the way you called out you know, how current metrics maybe, or you know, I, think, I forget the exact word you used, but the, the, it was, they're, they're kind of designed to, to protect the company versus really be focused on the customer and this other dimension where you've got customers that are really shared with your suppliers and making sure that all of those things are aligned is really a challenge. I, I hadn't really thought thought of i mean that's that's a that's a big challenge to 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 overcome uh i mean that's to me that's fascinating um you know it 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 just it ta- it speaks to really being able to kind of keep uh a view on the kind of long-term thing that has to happen what we're trying to accomplish and not get kind of uh overwhelmed and all the the little things staying staying focused and i think as you said you know not constantly putting out out fires uh th- i think that's that's amazing yeah, it's um, it keeps us busy. <laughs> I build on that in terms of challenges. I mean, one thing, and this, by the way, this isn't specific to Brentag. We see this with many of the the global corporates that we do business with. Is is that you know when when companies start to say, "Hold on a minute, we want to do something different. We want to be more client or, or customer centric," um, then. Actually, the biggest challenge is is there in terms of you know market research is very simple. Uh, you ask the right question to the right person, but if you don't have a centralized CRM system that you can pull customer data from, then you know the fallout from a, a you know starting to to develop a customer experience program like this is that you do need that centralized customer database to uh, you know obviously to have all the data from. So. That was a big challenge in the first instance to start to get the pieces in place because, of course, you know what we're trying to do is we're trying to we're trying to speak to uh, customers um, in a time efficient manner so that the experiences that they're relaying back to us are still fresh in their mind and and you know ha- what are these interactions or touch points that customers are, are getting in in touch with where well, we we carried out a deep dive we understood some of these key key interactions that they were having and it was three key areas whether it was uh, you know whether they'd been in touch to get a quote whether they'd had a sales manager visit or if they'd received a delivery these bits of data were were being pulled into a centralized point of which we could then extract that and then start to speak to the customer um whether it's through you know pulse surveys or telephone surveys to get that feedback I suppose just the find that one of the other big challenges on anything like this, when we're tra- trying to get in a transformation, trying to get change on the back of it, uh, is all about you know making sure that we can try and get the, uh, the you know the feedback, real time feedback, back into the organisation, so the sales teams, the, the Brentag teams, can act upon it. Um, so we developed a, a closed loop system, so in real t- time as we're um, surveying people and people are giving responses back. We developed alerts. We developed dashboards that the Brentag CX team could could use to keep their finger on the pulse of of customer sentiment and, of course, act quickly if there's any any detractors, any customer feedback that needs looking at immediately. 
So Nick, I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but you know, so you started listening to customers. <laughs> you know, like it sounds like it sounds like to me, what you both did was really uh, kind of expand where you where the listening posts that you were looking at, and then yeah. you know, really really organized how you were going to act on that information. I mean, I, I've personally seen where people, you know, different companies collect a lot of information; they just do nothing with it. I think. What what you what you're saying is that not only did we collect it, we expanded collection, we got in front of people at the right time, but then we also created the mechanisms to get it out to the people who needed it. In this case, the the sales teams and others, so that they could actually do something with it. You're right, and I think you know I'll pass back to Sean to to expand on this one, but. Uh it's it's as simple as that it's speaking to the customer understanding their needs understanding their expectations building on that and doing something about it to deliver against those uh, expectations and needs but i think that's the problem these days in uh, in businesses uh, you know people are drowning in data um you know internally that they're, they're, they're looking at lots of kpis if they're externally uh, gathering customer sentiment and, and feedback but it's about that analysis, that synthesizing of what the story, what, what's the data actually telling us? How can we cut this data in order to, to see what the stories are that we can then build on that to, to make, make the changes in the business to actually uh, you know, to, to realize what the, the customers are wanting uh, the change to, to act upon? So, yeah, it, it, it very much it's about a systematic way of how we can go out there bring the voice of the customer back internally within the customer, but then you know, disseminate it out to, to the various different people so that they can use it, uh, whether it's on a, a tactical basis. So, you know, someone's delivery is not there. Can we phone that X company and, uh, and make sure they're aware of where we're up to in the, uh, the, uh, the lead? Uh, or is it more strategic in terms of, do we need to build something in order, you know, in terms of a digital platform in order to deliver uh, a greater experience in the future. That, that, that's great. And Sean, do you have anything to add to that? Hey, lots, but, um, <laughs> you know, succinctly, no, I think the, 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 the key differentiation and you, and you guys have just touched on it, 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 you know, it's a move from, from actually, you, you know, just data and statistics to a voice, you know, cause that voice tells a story. Um, and, and stories are, are, are hard not to listen to. Um, so actually, when you hear the, you know, directly in the words of the customer, what's going on, what delights them, what disappoints them, um, you know, that, that speaks volumes compared to a, a set of uh, graphs and statistics. I, I, I think the way you say things, Sean, is just, it's, just, it's, it's just so clear. So I, I love it. Um, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about you know we've we've spoken about some of the challenges we we talked a little bit about kind of how we how you you guys went about this sort of a thing. When when we think about your five years into this, what are some of the results you've seen, both hoped for uh, and perhaps unexpected? <laughs> okay, um, look, I think you know with, without sounding um, you know kind of too grandiose uh, about this, you know I, the, the the simple fact is I think we're a better business for it. Full stop. Um, as you say, five years in, and and putting the customer at the heart of of, of our business has has transformed the business. It's created a, a common purpose that. Um, you know, wasn't as evident um, as as it uh, as five years ago, and as perhaps it should have been. And that that 
on its own has kind of united different teams and different departments from from within the organization you know le- levels of cooperation between departments and functions have, have have never been higher and and you know when these guys are working together and recognize the colleagues working you know for a a, a united purpose a common goal you know they support each other and and you know that creates levels of employee engagement that you know again have never been higher and i mean i've not looked at the stats you know at all but i'd be utterly amazed if if our colleague retention wasn't higher than it's than it's ever been um in the business and and again recently you know we kind of look at the the pandemic and and um what that's done for the organization, what that's done for our customers um, and highlighted just how important the work is that we do and the products that we deliver to, to the infrastructure of, uh, of, of UK and Ireland. Um, you know, all the things that we take for granted in terms of, you know, the lights coming on when you hit the switch, the clean water comes out of the tap, food on the shelf, medicine behind the counter, you know, the, all stuff that, you know, that Brentag plays a huge part in, but has probably not been recognized now. You know, there's no way I'm going to suggest that in developing a CX mindset, it's allowed us to carry on through the pandemic. But I'm convinced absolutely that it helped enormously and 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 contributed to the pride and uh, that that my colleagues rightly feel and and you know that Brentag were able to stand up and be counted and and rated extremely highly by you know the full supply chain that we're involved in through this period. And you know, I guess you know in some respects, I understand that that sounds you know perhaps a little bit um soft and fluffy to to some people and and why return on investment is rightly so such a huge topic within uh within customer experience so you know for our finance colleagues you know <laughs> i can confirm that the uk and irish business achieved record commercial um performance during this period as well um, sales growth um, never higher, range selling never higher, lifetime customer value never higher, and and the lowest levels of customer churn in these past few years as well. So, in fact, we you know pre the pandemic we won back to back commercial performance awards, and you know importantly there was a genuine sense of of contribution from the whole organisation in uh, in these achievements. I think to put that into context, Sean, as well, you know it's. We, we work with all manner of clients in, in, across all manner of industry sectors. And, um, you know, during COVID, the COVID-19 crisis, especially during, you know, 2020 uh, in, in the midst of it, then a lot of our clients, rightly or wrongly, they, they felt it wasn't right to speak to customers um, it, during the, that period and therefore stop their programs. Brentard continued and, and not only did they not, uh, you know, furlough people, but they, they they invested in the, their strategy, and it, the the sentiment and, and the feedback from the, the customers in the marketplace um, that that came through. I mean, we, we've talked of metrics and KPIs, um, but the NPS metric, um, and this is just for UK, by the way. You know, this is a, a global program that Brentag are running here across forty countries. But just to use the UK uh, metric, their their NPS shot up to uh, or was the highest ever. At, reaching 63 um which is you know a world class nps score in uh, in may of the middle of last year just because they were that they were continuing to do what they were doing even though they you know they had to pivot to to a more remote digital way of doing business um and to put that into context when we first started working with brentarg um in the uk 
um, then their NPS score was seven. So, you know, a massive jump in terms of, you know, that big flywheel, that big cog of all the different initiatives that, uh, that, that the team have been making to actually deliver that and to be recognized in the marketplace by the customers and to be appreciated for all that they were doing to, to keep business as usual. That, that's amazing. I mean, so what I, what I heard is that, yes, you've had all the traditional kind of uh, business or commercial metrics have really come out of this, this, you know, this journey, this kind of continuous optimization. Yes, those are the ones that most people are focused on and kind of desire broadly. I mean, that's, we are in business, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> but the other pieces here is that, you know, you were able to see it very specifically from customers via NPS scores. And, and from my perspective, actually, more interestingly, uh, in terms of employee engagement, I think like, I, I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think people think about that enough uh, in terms of what some of the benefits are, are here. And I think, Sean, what I, I heard you say is that people were feeling more proud um, Maybe I got that wrong, but it, it sounds like no, what one hundred percent. As I say, and and I think that um, you know, it's it's all the pieces coming together. The work that we've been doing, um, you know, the common purpose, the understanding, and then you know when it got critical, when it got. Um, um, you know, severe in terms of, you know, we supply lots of utilities from water companies to power companies, you know, and, and they needed the product and they had a genuine fear that they wouldn't be able to get the product. And, you know, the fact that, that you know, my colleagues were able to just stand there and say, don't worry, we've got you. Um, you know, that, that, that is amazing. And, and yeah, the, the pride, um, you know, again, you know, obviously, aside from COVID, you know, I, I wasn't hearing of any sickness, absence, anything through this period of of kind of people really just wanting to to all do their bit. Um, and as Nick said, you know, we 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 took that on from day one. We, you know, right from the start, said we need we need to be here. We're critical for the national infrastructure. That's it's an official tag that's given to certain companies in the UK that that are recognised as you know needing to keep the the water flowing through the tap or the electricity switched on and and just embracing that but this is what i was trying to get at that that you know if that had been seen as a as the business pushing that agenda and the business saying guys come on we've got to do this we've got to be here for these customers and this this purpose hadn't been built this um this view in the in the business that you know we need to be here for our customers then you know it, it could have been problematic it could have been us seen to be pushing and insisting on guys coming to work when perhaps the you know the the media and the pressure from society was to stay at home and self isolate no we needed people to come to work we needed trucks to be driven we needed packages to be filled um, and, uh, and and get there and uh, you know we we didn't need to ask you know the guys just turned up they wanted to do it because you'd already been on this on this journey i mean it's an overused term but for five years right so when when this happened people were more acclimated they were ready to go versus it being a change in your business yeah i look you know as, as i said i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it was uh, uh, you know it was all down to that but i'm i'm, I'm utterly convinced that it that it played a, a big role in that yeah all right and and 
Sean, my, my understanding is you, you, you really didn't start out with this as a, as an expectation or a goal. It was, it was a, a really positive byproduct. Again, absolutely. You know, I, I wish I could tell you that I had that amount of insight and that, uh, you know, I knew this was going to be the case, but definitely not. You know, we, we you know, getting into the subject and, and, and just, you know, our understanding anyway, you, you know, you know that engaged employees are a prerequisite to being able to deliver on great customer experiences. You know, it, it is. But I can honestly say I didn't think that developing a customer-centric business would in itself create so much engagement it, it it you know it was as though this this you know army of colleagues were 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 sat there waiting for it to to kind of pull them together um and just the very fact that you launched it again you're going with a little bit of trepidation you think perhaps you know am i putting out on too many people are they going to take this as being asked to do extra and do more um you know not at all um, as I say, guys have, have, have really taken to it and, um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they've, they've pushed me on, they've spurred me on by the fact that they've just, you know, taken to this so, so well and been, um, I, I think they've, you know, they've defined it as a kind of missing piece of the jigsaw in terms of making their, you know, their, their, their careers a bit more full. I think it's I think it's so interesting what we see here and it's it's just it's common sense isn't it you know engaged employees they're more willing to go that extra mile to resolve a client's problem or close a sale or you know uh contribute towards the culture uh that d- delivers customer service you know engaged employees that the you know their attention at work pay more attention uh to their work um and just happier in the, in the workplace but this is the, often the problem, and especially with large corporates, that employee engagement sits within HR's function um, and not necessarily within you know, commercial excellence, which Sean's looking at. And I think that you know, that's a big takeaway or a learning that, that companies need to, to break down these barriers and, and make sure that some of these KPIs looking at employee engagement, because it really does impact on customer experience. When we, you know, look after clients um, and do their employee engagement survey and their customer experience survey, the correlation between happy customers and happy employees is a, is a, always a positive one. You know, it's uh, it, it is common sense, but too often these large corporates just don't get it. I, th- I think we can all relate to that. I mean, it, it does sound so obvious, but Nick, I, I'm thinking back as you, as you speak. I don't see anybody really focus enough on on the employee engagement, like you know, actively. Yeah, I think in, it's, in, I, in a coordinated it's, way, it, it is. It's it's just for the fact that it's always in sitting within a HR function, and it impacts you know not just the customer experience. It impacts so many other components of uh, of business and 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 bottom line growth. But uh, but yeah, too often it's it's just seen as a you know. A random annual survey that does it you know, does it really get actioned upon um and uh, and sometimes you know employees can start to be cynical of these uh, engagement surveys there's different ways of doing it now through uh, through technology and uh, and it's so important to to understand how your how your you know your employees your people do feel towards not only your brand but you know listening again listening internally to to the voice of the employee what can you do better? These people are at the coalface. They're dealing with customers all the time. There's some pearls of wisdom that they can be feeding back to you. 
that, that's great. I mean, again, it's some of this is is so obvious in retrospect. But I just I don't really see it all is. the time. No, it really um, is. is this really all you have to do? Is be like it's, it, whatever. So, all right. So look, we've we've talked about a lot of the really positive things. The the Brentog story is is actually a great one. And, and Sean, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, and you know you've had success. Uh, clearly, uh, both planned and, and unplanned. But um, in terms of you know, listeners right now, if you could sit there and say, you know, you're five years into this particular transformation, what, what are some of the core watchouts people have to be aware of? Okay. I mean, you know, look, Jose, you, you say five years and it is a long time. Um, Personally, I, I, I still feel as though we're relatively in our infancy um, as a business because, you know, I, I think, yeah, we've done some great stuff, but I just still see how much work we've got to do. And, and that really excites me. But I think just, you know, uh, relative to, to, to kind of still feeling where we're at, I'll, I'll maybe pitch the answers at, at, at colleagues who are, again, maybe maybe at the starting point. Um and I think that firstly, and this is some advice that that I got, and I ashamedly brushed it, to, you know, to one side. Um, but be prepared to feel a bit lonely. Be prepared to feel a little bit isolated. And be prepared to have your uh, sanity questioned, or, or even question it yourself. Um, and and you know, as I said, I, I brushed that aside because, you know, my view was, you know, how can anyone feel like that when you're championing the company, you know, the customer, the very purpose, the very thing you're here to service and, and you're going to feel those things? Well, I, I tell you, it is real. Um, and unless you're working for an incredibly customer centric business, then I think anticipate and then, um, you know, if you anticipate, you can prepare for, for having those. Um I think so many of us in in this field become so clear in vision and compelled by what we're doing that we do risk coming a little bit evangelical. And you know, don't get me wrong, I think a little evangelical is a good thing. But if you know, if you're not careful in how you direct that, then you can run the risk of of alienating yourself and the team. So what I'd say is surround yourself with like-minded, passionate colleagues. Um, I, ideally some key influencers, um, and, you know, those guys who will keep you, as I've said, motivated and, and looking forward. So, you know, again, build your volunteer army as, uh, as John Cotter would say. Um, secondly, I think as well as these guys really important early on to, to get the enablers in your organization. Again, Nick's just talked about it, but hit the HR team, very important it team very important because you know they're going to be critical to supporting and facilitating the change that's needed in the business so i think you know again work with those guys create compelling arguments in their language in their way uh, and make it clear you know be vulnerable say that you need the help and support in in, in doing it and you know i think i think that's imperative um because you know ultimately if you don't um, if you don't engage with those guys, very much the nature of CX is you, you run the risk of, of treading on their toes or, or kind of being at, working at cross purposes with those guys. So um, you asked for three, right? So um, two is good too. I mean, I- well, <laughs> I, well the, the, the third one really, I mean, my third one would be what we've already touched on, to be honest, is that um, you have to get the voice of the customer in the organization, but not just in the organization. It's got to be heard. Um, and again, yeah, the, the the suite of KPIs, it just doesn't do anybody justice to the work and effort 
to get those customer voices and to just put them on a spreadsheet. And and you do see too much of that. So I think think of you know new and novel ways of getting you know what is verbatim customer comments. I mentioned the word story earlier directly into the top of your organization. Ideally from recognized big customers because you know they become impossible to ignore then when you know these are the words from our customers. This is what they are saying. Um, I get that there's, you know, a little bit of fear and trepidation in doing that because you expose yourself, you leave yourself open for criticism, especially if you're, you know, if you're operating in silo um, type organizations, um, you know, but you've just got to back yourself. And, and if the organization really wants to embrace CX culture, then you've got to understand that that is part of it. And I think importantly, that's looking at the negative side of it, but hopefully, There'll be loads of, uh, of positive comments too that you can share and 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 you know show what the organisation and its team are capable of doing. You know all the great stuff, all the great work that goes in. You know, and, and at the end of the day, whether you're in the C-suite or not, you you know we're human beings who, who you know who doesn't like a compliment to kind of keep us going and 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 steal ourselves in in what we're doing and the challenges and and keep driving us forward. So yeah. Wow. You're going to say something? I think yeah. a nice framework. No, I was just going to say, Jose, I think a, a nice framework to really, you know, I suppose to round things off for, for today um, that we use. I mean, and this is built on, you know, the, the hundreds of the, the thousands of customer experience programs that we've developed for our clients. Um, we know you, you've said, you know, three watch outs, um, but actually we, we know that there's six key pillars um, that you need to deliver against in order to uh, you know to 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 deliver world class customer experience um, and you know so it I think it's probably worthwhile shouting these out you know it starts from commitment and if we look at Brentarg as an example there you know delivering these experience it does take time we're on a five year journey here and it requires patience investment and belief you know, Sean's talks of it being you know lonely sometimes but it needs to come from the top down. Uh, absolute faith that this is the way forward. You know, when times get tough, when COVID nineteen hit, when money is, you know, a bit short, it's easy to slip into a compromise mode. Um, but there's there's got to be this commitment from the top down to deliver this excellent customer experience, come what may. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar is a, is an obvious one, I suppose, in terms of fulfilment. We've been talking about the voice of the customer, understanding, uh, you know, words are cheap, theories are interesting, but you know, actions are required. So understanding the voice of the customer and then delivering on those customer needs. And, and I suppose that's a real watch out, you know, making sure that we do short term actions and we've got medium and longer term actions that need to deliver against that. The third pillar is seamlessness. Um, we've talked a bit of that, about this already, you know, especially with the HR function sitting separate to the, to the commercial excellence. Um, but you know, difficult companies are those that believe the complications of serving the customer should be shared with the customer. You know, customers are passed from departments to department, becoming frustrating and, and exhausted. We need to make life easier for the customer. The fourth one is responsiveness. We've talked a bit about this in terms of how we developed, you know, uh, closing the loop systems and timely response uh, to, to problems and resolution of those problems is so important. And then proactivity, excellent customer experience. It's achieved by going beyond customer expect expectations. It requires you know high level of imagination, proactivity from the team. That's where the Brentag team got it. You know they bought into it this enthusiasm, this enthusiasm to, to do something differently. 
And I think that the final pillar is, is so crucial as well. You know, our research program has evolved, but evolution is the, uh, is, is the sixth pillar there. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And that's if you're lucky, if, you know, the competition aren't changing. Brentag, Sean, you know, the global team, it's evolved. Um, and it's evolved based on on customer feedback. So, you know, it, it's not three watch outs, it, but it's 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 the six key pillars that really do need to be, uh, you know, looked at and delivered against in order to to deliver a world class customer experience. And and that's exactly what Brentag have done. Nick, I I think that's great. I, I love the six dimensions there. I, I think that's that's fascinating and very helpful. And I, you actually. We're able to kind of couch them in the, in the story of Rentog. One of the things I want to dive into, if, if, you, if you both don't mind, you know, is that, Sean, what I heard you say when you were talking about your kind of watchouts was this idea of kind of, I, I felt it like it was, it was kind of being um, lonely or alone, if you will, as you start to lead uh, these, these sorts of transformations. And Nick, you said you need this, this top-down kind of, you know, um, buy-in and that sort of thing. And I would tell you that I have seen at least one person be evangelical and not accepted, not be necessarily working well with all the different functions and frankly did not get very far, you know? So, uh, you know, and so Sean, when you were saying there's this kind of bravery, you didn't say these words, but I I took it as bravery without arrogance, (laughs) you know, stay the course, get friends, move out to HR and IT, make sure they're on board, put it in their words, those sorts of things. I've certainly seen when you don't do that, that is not a good uh, path. (laughs) So I, I, I personally want to call that out, but I wanted to say, you know, Sean, you know, to, to Nick's point, did you have backing? You know, did you were you able to really lead this with some level of of backing behind you? Um, well, certainly, I you know my my immediate boss had my back. Um, this was a um, you know in the early stages, I, I, I said at the start of the interview, you know, that this was this service excellence was de- was defined as something we want to be known for. But the business, you know, be honest, just didn't know where it was going to go. Um, and you know, I got the opportunity to present where we were going to the global board, to the global conference, and I think it started to you know to gain acceptance. Um, again, it was kind of well, keep going, Sean. Just you know, um, so let's see where this takes us. Um, and and you know, so I wouldn't say it was kind of a top down. You know, we must do, we must um, work, and that made that's made it more difficult. 100% so I would agree with uh with what Nick said but um it doesn't make it impossible I mean I you know I'm, I'm 17 years in the business I think I'm pretty well regarded and and I've got a broad role so I touch on most functions on a on a daily basis so I think that you know that got us a lot of acceptance um I'm not known for somebody who you know talks a lot of um you know flowery stuff at times so um I, you know I, I think the fact that it was coming from me um it, it, it held you know a little bit more credibility than it might have done otherwise um but yeah you know given everything that i've just said you've still got to because again, it comes back to what i said earlier you know that there are deep rooted cultural institutions um and um you know people will protect them 
you know, uh, vehemently um, because it's what they've lived in and, you know, they've spent their career supporting these things and you're going to come in with some kind of fresh-faced new way of looking at things and just expect that everybody's going to buy into that straight away. No, you just, you know, you need a level of uh, of understanding and maturity and, and, yeah, just talk to people, you know. Ask them what they, uh, what they respect about businesses that they choose to spend their own money with. What is it about them that they enjoy and like and when have they made decisions never to buy from people again and what caused that? And, you know, say, just relate. You know, treat everybody like a human being, and I think it, it it does start to become a lot simpler, a lot easier. Where those are words to live by, Sean. I mean, really start to treat people like humans and think about them, and uh, and, and go from there. So, um, all right. Well, you know, I really appreciate the time, uh, the the effort, the being so candid, Sean and Nick. I mean, really, your your working relationship clearly comes through. Sean, your experience, your um, really just your openness, openness to really talk about what's both good and what's a challenge, all that sort of thing. I and mean, I think we've had a really great discussion about Brentog's journey in terms of being becoming more customer centric, making or helping be prepared for uh, kind of a situation such as COVID when that hit and being able to respond. We've covered things like some of the challenges, but also some of the benefits, including unexpected benefits like higher employee engagement. So, you know, I, I really want to thank you both for the time today. It's uh, It's been a pleasure of mine. Uh, any any final words, Sean or Nick? Yeah, I just, you know, Jose, I'd echo that. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I think uh, hopefully you can tell it's a subject I enjoy talking about. Um, I do. <laughs> it, it brings, you know, it, it's great. And, and you know, I'd just encourage anybody else that's giving it a thought to, you know, just go for it. I think you'll find it extremely personally rewarding, um, uh, you know, despite what I've said about it being hard work, um, you know, and if it doesn't get you out in a bed in the morning, then, uh, then yeah, there's, there's, there's something a bit miss. Yeah. And I think from my side, yeah, thanks for inviting us on Jose. Um, Sean alluded to it, you know, saying that we're, we're five years into this journey, but feeling like it's at the beginning, um, a sign off from our side, you know, it's a never ending journey. Um, because needs change all the time, competitors change, uh, you know, and and so you, you keeping your finger on the pulse of of what customers' uh, needs are, and then de- developing that into different solutions or propositions. It, it's a, it really is a never ending journey. So it's one that keeps you on the toes at all times. Um, and uh, you know, looking forward to uh, to work alongside Sean on that as we move into the future. Well, thank you very much, Nick. Thank you, Sean. This has been another episode of Inside Job, Making CX Work. Thank you very much for your time. 